Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're so excited that you are able to tune in with us and join right there from the comfort of your own home or possibly you're watching from a phone. But either way, we're so excited that you are with us. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you if you can help us share this message of God's love with others. Here's how you can help. You simply got to hit that share button just right before we get into today's message. Just take a few moments, hit that share button and let, let us share this message of God's love with others. Uh, Maybe we can't directly reach your friends and family, but you can by hitting that share button if you're tuning in from Facebook. And if you're tuning in on YouTube, why don't you hit the thumbs up button and you can also hit the subscribe button so that you can check in on any of the content that we release. But right now, if you can hear me, if you are at the sound of my voice, why don't you put some hand emojis up, put some thumbs up. Let's get excited to hear God's word. And we are on week four of Love is Our Logo. I want to encourage you to catch up uh, part one, part two, and part three on our YouTube channel. Again, Facebook or our podcast outlets. You want to hear this entire series. Today we are in part four and the series stems from John chapter 13 verse 35. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I think that God has called his people to be marked by his love. Love is our logo. And in week four, we're going to read this passage of scripture that many of us are familiar with. It's it's a story of the Good Samaritan and it's found in Luke chapter 10 verse 25 through 37. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it, he answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where he, the man was. And, where, and when he saw him, he took pity on him and went to him and bandaged his wounds. I want to read again from verse 31. It says, a priest happened. There was a priest who happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Verse 32, so too a Levite went and came to the same place and saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled and came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, 
And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to jump over real quickly to James chapter one, verse 13 and 14. It says, if we are tempted by such trials, we must not say this temptation comes from God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. But we are tempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires. I had so many titles that I wanted to give you, but I think that the, the title that best fits this message, I want you to write this down. It's the temptation of a lesser love. The temptation of a lesser love. Why don't you help me pray today? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for these moments that we get to spend together. We thank you, Lord God, that though we are social distancing, God, we don't have to disconnect from one another and we don't have to disconnect from you. I thank you, Lord, that virtually we can come together as a church and still hear your word that is living, that is powerful, and that is transformative to the heart of a human being. Oh, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you loved us before we could ever love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say amen and amen. You know, I think temptation is an in interesting concept. I think temptation is... It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like I thought about the things that I'm tempted, I, the things that tempt me, the things that kind of like lure me. I think about those things and, I, and I've realized that I've never been tempted to do the good things. Like, have you ever noticed that temptation is really the things that pull you towards the, the bad things, the negative things? Like when it comes to temptation, like I've never had the temptation to pray for an hour. I've never had that. I've never like, I'm gonna, I feel so tempted to pray. I feel so tempted to fast for 40 days. I feel so tempted to read uh, three books of the Bible. Like, have you noticed that, that you're never tempted to, the good, to do the good thing? You're always tempted to do that thing, right? Temptation is an interesting concept. It's like, it's like the thing that you shouldn't do that it, it pulls you towards. Like the moment you decide to do something good, it's like there's this thing that pulls you away from the good thing that you have a desire to do. And it's like this gravitational pull that's inside of you that is pulling you towards the thing you shouldn't be doing. Like for me, it's always food. My greatest temptation is food. And, and of course, my beautiful wife, when you're married to someone that can eat everything and anything that she wants to and doesn't gain a pound, I'm not hating, but doesn't gain a pound, it doesn't make it any easier. And of course, she doesn't do it discreetly. She doesn't go quietly into the kitchen and go get, no, she doesn't do any of that. What does she do? She announces her food urges. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm actually preparing for this message a couple of days ago and I hear her singing a song of what she wants. Ooh, I want soda today. I want soda. Oh, thank you. Like this is at any time of the day, my wife will have these food urges that she, she will list. The other day, she's actually, oh, baby, you know what I want? What you want, baby? Oh, you know what I want? I want a pina colada. You want me to make you one? You want to make you one? Nah, baby, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look good for us. 
And she's like, no, 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 no. Get, get yourself. I'll make a pina colada. I promise you. I walked in at two o'clock in the morning and she was putting a dish in the sink. And I said, what was that? She was like, that was a banana split. And I was like, a banana split? Are you going to eat a banana split at two o'clock in the morning? She's like, yeah, you want one? Like temptation, like, and by the way, have you noticed that temptation has this awkward timing? Like, have you noticed that when it comes to temptation, like, it's the best time for temptation, but it's the worst time for you. Have you noticed that, like, the moment you decide that you're going to have the best diet from here on in, starting when? Monday. Everybody knew that answer. Put Monday on the comment section. We're going to start this diet on Monday. What happens? Someone shows up at your house. We're going to use Mama Fran, Miss Fran, as an example. Miss Fran will cook up you a cheesecake and she will bring it at your doorstep. And she'll be like, look what I made you. And what do you do? You put on your swimsuit and you dive into that cake right there. Temptation calls your name. What about you say you're going to go to the gym? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. And that day, hypothetically speaking, your partner would say, your wife, your husband will say right there, oh, let's not go to work. Let's sleep in and let's go to Perkins. And you was about to go to the gym. But what happens at this moment? You find yourself in the middle of a Perkins restaurant eating a chicken tender melt with Monterey Jack cheese and cheese on the fries with a bucket of honey mustard. And what do you do? You put on your swimsuit and you dive into that honey mustard. What about you saving for a house? Whoo! You saving for a house, but then that vacation be calling you. You got the temptation. Do I want the house or do I want that vacay that's looking real nice right now? And what do you do? That money that you had saved up for a house now goes and you're in the middle of Costa Rica chilling, right? You're in the middle of Dominican, you're in the middle of Puerto Rico chilling and you say bye-bye to the house. How about this? Like the moment you say, yo, I'm going to live holy and pure. Ain't nothing going to get the best of me. The moment you, you decide that, what happens? Halle Berry <laughs> slides into your DMs. What about you, ladies? Like the moment you say, what? Jesus is my husband. I'm married. It's just me and JC. It's just me and Jesus. What happens? Jason Momoa likes your picture. That's what happens. Like the timing of temptation. And I just thought about this in preparation for this message because I thought like, like I've, I've settled in my heart that I, I want to love people better. But I also find it interesting that in the midst of this series, as I've settled in my heart to love people better, the greatest temptation has knocked on my door to live by the standards of a lesser love. Ooh, it's like, right, like in the middle of this pandemic, like, you know, the people's true colors come out, right? And people that you've had expectations for. You thought they would be there for you. You thought that they would possibly check up on you. And you'd like, you, oh, I want to love you. But you're like, whoo, I thought I was going to be able to do better. But temptation is calling you to just ignore it and live by a lesser love, right? Like literally in the midst of this series, I've been challenged the most to live by the words that I've been preaching. It's in this series that I've been, I've I've. <laughs> I've been sent text messages offending me. Woo! I got to love. Love is my logo. Yes. Right? And at best, your, your love ends up looking like the restraint of your wrath, right? It's like, 
Ooh, right? Like the moment you said, I'm just going to love Pastor Roll. That message has been touching my heart. Like, I'm just going to love people better. I'm just going to stand by people. I'm going to love them. What happens the moment you decide that you're going to love people better? I'm finally going to forgive this person. The person that you decided that you were going to forgive messes up again. Finally, when you decide that you're going to love people better, what happens? You hear the gossip that is being said about you, and it makes it more difficult for you to love with this greater love. So you give into the temptation of a lesser love. I think it's amazing that in this passage of scripture, we kind of find this parallel because what I see here is that there is this expert of the Jewish law who is also finding the, the limits of love. He's saying... He, I know that God has called me to love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? And the Bible says to justify himself, which means that in his heart, he was looking for a way out of loving people. Have you ever looked for a way out of loving people? Like I will love him. I will love her, but I won't love them. Who is my neighbor? Who? Who are the people that God's called me to love? Okay, I can love the people around me, but I can't love them over there. I can love those closest to me, but I may not be able to love those that have hurt me. Who is my neighbor anyway? And we are in this passage where you see this man that is looking for a way to live by the standards of a lesser love. Who is my neighbor? And as the passage reads, I want to paraphrase the story for you. Essentially, he asks Jesus, how could he... inherit eternal life Jesus gives him the answer he says you know the law he repeats the law to him it ends with loving my neighbor as I love myself Jesus says go and do that he says but who is my neighbor Jesus then tells a story he tells a story there was a man that was making a trip from Jerusalem over to Jericho and in his travel he got beat up so bad they robbed him they stripped him naked he was left for dead he was essentially in a grave And a priest walks by. And now here's the picture. The picture is that this priest is walking on the same side as the man who got beat up then robbed. The man that was left for dead. He's walking on the same side. And what does he do? He walks on the other side. I love that term, dead. He walked on the other side. Likewise, the Levite goes and he's walking on the same side as the man that got beat up. Then he walks on the other side. Then you have the Samaritan man. The the word picture there is that he's, he's walking on the opposite side, but he sees the man. And the Bible says that this man now has compassion. He has compassion, but he walks towards the pain. He bandages, he, he takes care of him, he uses his own bandages, he, he puts wine on him, he, he helps him heal, he treats his wounds, he, he brings him to an inn, he gives him a place of rest, he carries him on his donkey, he pays for all his expenses, and, and this is then how Jesus begins to teach the man that there is a greater love than even the question that he's been asking. And I love this idea that there's another side. Because what is the other side that they walk towards? Because here's the truth. Whenever we walk away from the greater side of love, we are walking always towards something different. It's not that we're not loving. It's not that we're hating. I think that we bought into the lie that, hey, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I wish them well. Right. I don't hate them. I wish them well. But the greatest temptation to walk away from a greater love is not hatred. It's a lesser love. And what they walked to was simply the easy way out. They walk away from the pain, but they walk towards convenience. 
And here's the first thing I want you to write down as the first note today. It's a lesser love will always tempt you with what's convenient, but a greater love will always cost you something. I want to tell you, Christ uncensored, that if we're going to love with a greater love, we are always going to be tempted by a lesser love. I'm going to tell you, it's going to cost you something to love people well. You need not to look further than the actions of the Samaritan to see what they walked away from and, they and what they walked towards. Because when you look at the Samaritan, you see that he walked towards what would cost him something. Oh, he had his own agenda. He had his own plans. He was traveling for his own reasons. But when he sees this man, the Bible says that he had compassion for him and he walked towards what would cost him something. Simply look at his actions. Look, it cost him. He used up his own oil. He used up his own bandages. He used up his own wine. He used his own donkey, his own uh, mode of transportation. He used his own strength to pick the man up and place him on the donkey. He used his own time to travel with the man all the way to the inn. He used his own. He, he got rid of his sleep just so that he can stay up and treat the wounds of the man. He used his own money. Oh, it cost him something. It cost him something. And and the priest and the Levite, man, they get a bad rep, but they're not bad people. They're not bad people. It was, they probably had somewhere to go. This probably was happening at the worst possible time it could have happened, maybe on another occasion, maybe on a more convenient occasion. They would have helped them. Maybe they, if they had a donkey, maybe they weren't traveling with a donkey. And maybe they said, well, if I had a donkey, I, would, I can't pick this man up. How am I supposed to? And it just reminds me of how many times I walked away from an opportunity to serve and love people well. Not because I couldn't, not because it was too big for me, but simply because it wasn't convenient enough. I can't tell you how many times like in my own life that I've chosen the lesser part of love simply because I wasn't willing to do the inconvenient. Not because it was beyond my means, not because simply because it was going to cost more than what I was willing to pay at the moment. And so often we want the life that only this great love can give without paying the price that it will cost to live it. See, the greatest temptation to operating under this great love is not hatred, it's simply convenience. But if you want to walk in the greater side of love, it's always going to cost you something. Here's the second thing. I want you to write this down. That a lesser love will always tempt you with what's reasonable. Oh, it's the temptation of a, of a lesser love. It's the temptation not to love. It's, it's the temptation not to love with the love of God. It, it's, it's going to tempt you with what's reasonable. It's going to tempt you. But a greater love will always take responsibility. A greater love will always take responsibility. A lesser love is always going to tempt you with what's reasonable, with what makes sense, with what seems practical. And so if you, if you look at the context in this story, this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho was a 17-mile journey. It was a 17-mile trip. It was a 17-mile walk. And in this journey, there's about a 3,000-foot drop from a distance where you can no longer see the people that are walking on this road. And so this road was actually infamously known as the, the bloody pass or the path of blood. Why? Because it was very, 
it was a known concept that if you walked through this road, there was a great possibility that you would be beat up. It was known. It was called the bloody path. Guess what? No one is taking tours in the bloody path. Anybody that had to go through, they had to run through the bloody path. And so I, I see it reasonable that the, the priest and the Levite, what were they doing? They were simply looking out for themselves. They weren't bad people. They weren't evil people. They were, in fact, they weren't the robbers that put the man there. But they were, they were just looking out for themselves. They, they probably thought to themselves, oh my goodness, like, he's a mess and I ain't going to stay here and wait for me to become a mess. See, they were just looking out for themselves. And, and I just think that when it comes to taking responsibility and walking on the greater side of love, that it's going to take courage. Like I've never seen a fireman look at a fire and say, oh, yeah, that's not my responsibility. Why? Because I didn't create that fire. No, 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 no. You see a fireman that signed up to rescue lives, that he sees the fires in a burning building. He sees the flames in a burning building. And what does he do? He, run toward, he runs towards the fire to put it out. He takes responsibility. And when you take responsibility, when that greater love exercises itself in taking responsibility, essentially what you're saying is someone else's mess becomes your mission so that they can have a message. It's allowing someone else's mess to become your mission. It's allowing someone's pain to become your purpose. It's saying that I'm going to walk towards the side of pain and hurt and wounds, and I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to make their mess my mission. Why? Because in the same way that a fireman was equipped to walk into the fiery flames, I want to tell you that God has equipped you, that God has enabled you to walk into the fiery flames of hurt, pain, and disappointment because he has equipped you to love with a greater love. You can take responsibility. You don't have to walk with caution and reason all the time. I know that sometimes the appeal is just to re remain safe and secure and, comf and comfy. You always deal with that temptation. It's, it makes sense, right? Like if you think about it, it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense to want to protect yourself and, and walk quickly down the bloody path as quickly as possible, even if it means for you to forfeit the opportunity to help this man because you're looking out for yourself. It makes sense. When I think about the things and the decisions that we've made, we've made it's reasonable to want to cut somebody off because they've hurt you. That's, that makes sense. And you're just protecting yourself. It, it makes sense to, to want to retaliate when someone has hurt a member in your family. It makes sense. It makes sense to to want to not to not forgive someone that has hurt you and offended you. It makes sense to not want to forgive the abuser that took away your innocence. And it makes sense to to not want to love. It makes sense to not keep loving someone that hurts you. That all makes sense. It makes sense to, to be offended when someone tries to disrespect you. It makes sense. Pastor Ro, like you, I have my own problems. I have my own issues. And, and it makes sense to want to protect yourself, even when God has called you to serve others. But it takes courage to take responsibility. It takes courage, courage to walk on the other side of love and look at someone's mess 
and make it your mission. Look at someone's pain and make it your purpose. It's risky. It might feel like you're jeopardizing your own safety. But God has equipped us as firemen of love to walk into the fiery furnace of pain to extinguish the hurt. He's equipped you. He's enabled you. He's empowered you. If not, we will simply settle with saying, it's not my responsibility. I didn't cause that fire. I wasn't the robbers that beat him up. I'll just keep minding my own business. And here's what I want to give you the last point. I want you to write this down. A lesser love will always tempt you with your indifference, but a greater love will always be intentional. A lesser love will always tempt you with your indifference, but a greater love will always be intentional. And when you think about indifference, essentially what it is, it's the condition of apathy. It, it doesn't really concern me. It's, it goes beyond reasonable. It's, it's, I just don't really care anymore. It's, it's a sense of numbness. And, and in context, I want you to catch this. And here's where I want to I conclude for the first time. That, that Jesus is being intentional even in his storytelling. See, because what Jesus is doing, he's speaking right dead in the middle of a social structure that is filled and steeped in with social biases and prejudice. And, and Jesus is he's speaking to a structure that there's a, there's a hierarchy of in people. There's the priest. They are at the very top. There's the Levite. The Levites were the ones that would worship in the temple, but they would also be the ones that would tend to the temple. They would be the gatekeepers, the, the ones that would open the door for people when they walk in. These were the ones that were responsible for the temple. Then it was the, the Jewish community, the laymen. And then it was the outcasts. But even further than the outcasts, now it's at the very bottom, the Samaritan and the Gentiles. What does Jesus do? Oh, he's flipping it around. He's turning this social structure on his head. He, he, he's, but he's also intentional in saying that it was a Samaritan who is doing this. And it wasn't the priest who people would expect. It wasn't the Levite who people would expect to, to be the hero. It's a Samaritan. The fact that a Samaritan is even projected in a positive light is a shocker to the listener. But even a greater shocker is that the man that got beat up was a Jewish man. Now, here's what I want you to lean in. That the idea here is that this Samaritan man was helping a man who the roles were reversed and the Samaritan would have been the one that was beat up. The Samaritan would have been the one that was left for dead. This man that was bleeding and bloodied on the floor would have not done the same for him. Can I ask you a question? What do you do when God calls you to do something for someone that would not do the same for you? What do you do when God is, God's greater love is compelling you to serve someone that if the roles were reversed, they would not do the same for you.
What do you do when someone, when God has called you to forgive someone that had they done to you or had you done to them what they did to you, they would have never considered forgiving you? What, what do you do when God has called you and compelled you by his greater love to love your father who would never deserve nor never meet the standards that you need as a father? What, what do you do when God has called you to keep loving the husband who would never love you the way you deserve to be loved? What do you do when God has called you to keep forgiving and keep loving the wife who would never respect you with the respect that you deserve? What do you do when God is calling you to keep honoring and serving your children even though they will never understand the love of a mother, a mother and a father? What do you do? See, because I'm good with like loving people that love me. I'm good with like, yo, you got my back. I got your back. We are a whole big happy family. But I give you a glass of milk. You give me a glass of milk. But if I give you a glass of milk and you don't give me a glass of milk, there's going to be problems. Like, What do you do, right? What do you do when God has called you to serve and love someone who, if the roles were the roles were reverse would not do the same for you your enemy would never do the same for you but God's called us by a greater love they don't deserve it but God's called, called us by a greater love they did you wrong they spoke negatively about you they joked about you they violated you they cheated on you but God has called us to a greater love they would never do the same for you but God has called us by a greater love. And when you look at the actions of this Samaritan man, you see that he was, Bible says that he was moved by compassion. In other words, he was intentional. He didn't pray about it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't go and fast about it. He simply took action. He was intentional. He saw the need and he met the need. He saw the hurt and he helped heal the hurt. He was intentional. And so does Jesus even answer the question? Well, we get to the end of the story and Jesus still has not answered the question, who is my neighbor? Like you ever think about it? Like Jesus never answers the question, who is my neighbor? Well, I heard the story and you're asking me now a question, who is the neighbor? Well, what is Jesus doing? Oh, he's reversing it again. <laughs> he's saying, don't be so worried about who your neighbor is, be more concerned that you're identified by others as a neighbor. What is he saying? He's saying, go and be a neighbor. Go and serve. Go and be that Samaritan man. Go and be a neighbor to others. Don't worry about identifying who your neighbor is. Be more concerned that those around you would identify you as a neighbor. And he says to him, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to jump over as we bring this to a close. And this time I'm for real. In James chapter one, verse 13. And, and in this context, I want us to look at it that there's always going to be this temptation to live by the standards of a lesser love. In fact, that temptation will be heightened the moment you decide to live by a greater love. 
you would, the moment you decide to swim upstream is that you feel the current and the weight of what opposes you. As long as you're going through the same stream in the same direction of the stream, oh, you don't feel. It's just now you've decided to swim upstream. And so now you feel the weight. Now you feel the temptation. But James will tell us if we are tempted by such trials, we must not say that temptation comes from God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But we are tempted when we are drawn away and trapped. Wait, what? We're tempted and we're drawn away, but then we end up being trapped by our own evil desires. See, when you give into the temptation of a lesser love, it's not that it just pulls you away from a greater love, it's that it keeps you trapped. When you give, and this, is, this applies for any temptation, when you give into this temptation of a lesser love, when you give into the temptation not to love, when you give into the temptation of ignoring the pain, when you give into the temptation to forfeit your calling to serve others, you end up being trapped by convenience. You are trapped under the prison of reason, what's reasonable, you are trapped in your own indifference. And then you're like, oh, Pastor Rock, I just cannot forgive them. How could you love someone like that? How can you, how can you keep loving someone like, oh, you're trapped. I'm supposed to forgive them? Oh, yeah, you're, you're trapped. Because you've given into the temptation of a lesser love. You have fallen into the temptation of a lesser love. But likewise, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look what the Bible says. The Bible says that the only temptation has come to you is that which, has, which everyone has. In other words, we're always being tempted. But you can trust God who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. Oh, there goes that fireman analogy again. Oh, yeah, we've been equipped. Like, no matter what temptation comes my way, if the temptation of convenience, if the temptation of what's reasonable, if the temptation of my own indifference comes my way, I could always stand against it. Why? Because I've been equipped. Because I've been empowered. But when you are tempted, he will also give you a way to escape so that you will be able to stand it. What is he? Oh, he's going to... He's going to allow you to escape the trap. The trap of convenience, the, the, the trap of what's reasonable, the trap of indifference, the trap that says I can't, the trap that allows you to buy into the lie that this is beyond you, the trap that God makes a way. How did he make a way? Well, you see it in the story of the Good Samaritan. You look closer, you look deeper, and you find that the Good Samaritan is, is Jesus. For the good Samaritan, he did what would cost him something. And Jesus did not stand or stay in the convenience of heaven, but it would cost him his life as he died upon the cross for our sins that, that he would not try to make sense of it all and appeal to what's reasonable. For in many ways, his love acted recklessly. And he took the responsibility of our sin and our error and our wrong and our iniquities and our failures and our shortcomings. He took the responsibility of our wrongdoing and he placed it on himself. He was the fireman running into the fiery flames to rescue us. 
And he's not a God that's disconnected and indifferent, for he is the God that initiated relationship and was intentional about saving and bringing home his sons and daughters. He provides a way of escape. He made a way for us to escape because he did what we could not do for ourselves so that we could be equipped to do for others. We've been trapped by a lesser love, by a smaller love, by a minor love, by an inferior love, by an ordinary love, by a mediocre love. But Jesus provided to us a way of escape, a way out of giving into the temptation of a lesser love. It's reasonable. I get it. It makes sense. It makes sense not to want to walk on the greater side of love. But your greatest temptation is not going to be hatred. And I think that as long as we buy into that lie, well, I'm not hating people. We will always give into the temptation of a lesser love. And maybe you felt like you're trapped. I'm just going to always be this way. I'm, I can't forgive them. I, I'm not going to continue loving them. Maybe you feel trapped. I want to let you know today that God has made a way of escape for you. And what I want to do to you is I want to offer you a prayer. If you're listening to me right now, maybe today you're saying, Pastor, well, I kind of feel trapped. I feel like, I feel like I've, I've never seen this before. I've always felt like I was a good person. I've always felt like I could love. But I know that there's areas in my heart that have been conditioned by this lesser love. And I know that this love that you're talking about is beyond me. And maybe you want to invite that love into your life. For the Bible says that God is love and God's love is demonstrated through the life and person and, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and what I want to do is help you give your life to him. And if you're here today, I'm just going to ask you to just bow your heads wherever you are. And if you say, Pastor, oh, that's me. I want you to lift your hand right there where you are, right there where you are, just right now. Lift up your hand, lift up your hand, lift up your hand. God sees your hand and he acknowledges that there's a heart transformation taking place. So if that's you, if you have your hand lifted up, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. And from this day forth, I am a new creation because you died for me and you rose again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. My friends, if you've said that prayer, would you take a moment to let us know? I want to welcome you into the family of God. Thank you for embracing God's love for you. And again, if you've said that prayer, would you let us know by sending a message to prayer at kuhau.com or just go to kuhau.com slash new and let us know. The information is on your screen. I love you. Let's get ready to respond to God's message in worship. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. 
come and begin a whole new journey with us.